0: This is One on One's NHL podcast, where we take on the five hottest issues in hockey with three of our NHL beat reporters. It's time to go five on three. Welcome back to another episode of Five on Three, WFUV's NHL podcast. I'm Chris Hennessy. Tyler Mooney pulls a double duty. He will be hosting and putting this all together, making us sound good. Tyler, how are you today?
1: I'm doing well, Chris. How are you?
0: I am Good but nervous as we are just under five hours as we record this away from the biggest game of the Islander season tonight in Washington. They lose the first two of a three game set against Washington last week. I was here with Mike and I said that they needed to take two of three from both the Rangers and the caps to lock themselves into a spot. That's clearly not going to happen as they already lost two, but uh, if they could win tonight and they can beat the Rangers It looks promising as they do have some games with the Devils and the Sabres, but tonight is a huge game to just get the confidence back really more. They're they're, going to make the playoffs. Even if they lose, I think I saw they're going to go down to like 99.4%. But just get the confidence up because they've struggled against the Penguins. They just lost two against the Bruins, and you got to beat the Caps headed into the playoffs.
1: Yeah, like you said, they're going to make the playoffs. Um, Kind of a must win tonight if they do want to get home ice the way the Penguins are playing right now and obviously dropping three straight to the Capitals who's the team directly above you is not going to help. But speaking of confidence, yeah, I mean, right now the way that Boston and Pittsburgh are playing and the way all the teams in the East are playing, it seems like Isles Caps is probably the most likely matchup in the first round. And the Capital or the Islanders have not done great against the Capitals this year. They're 2 and 5, but to lose three straight to the team that you're playing in the first round so soon before the playoffs, is that's not something you want to do. Obviously, the regular season, as we've seen over and over again, sometimes holds no correlation to teams meeting in the playoffs. We saw that with the Rangers and the Hurricanes last year. But they definitely, for just their confidence, if anything, they do need a win tonight. That first game they played against the Caps was just not a good effort. I don't think I was at the game. I don't think either team really deserved to win. It was they, a one they should nothings. have won the game. Neither team. The The officiating in
0: that game was the most pathetic thing I've ever
1: seen. The officiating was a little questionable, but it just seemed like, yeah, I mean, it was just one of those games one nothing shootout. All right, whatever. It's a shootout. Move on to the next one. And then, yeah, a 6 3 loss is definitely not the effort that you want to see. So tonight, I think, yeah, you you need a win tonight if you're the Islanders.
0: And it'll be Varley tonight. I think everybody kind of knows that. Yeah. Played well in that first game, the one nothing shootout loss. Uh, Sorokin was not good on Saturday. Um, in the six-three loss, so it'll be Varley tonight. It'll probably be Varley on Thursday against the Rangers, and then I think you'll see Sorokin in a Devils game and a Sabers game. But other than that, it'll be Varlamov from here on out, as he has just been fantastic this year. Yes, and, so, and Sorokin has been great too. He has, uh, but there's been two really bad games now: Pittsburgh and Washington. And you know, I think I think going into the playoffs. Trotz likes to have one guy that he goes with. We saw that with Leonard, where he played all four games against Pittsburgh. three of, or all He started all four games since Carolina and got pulled in game four. We saw that with Varlamov last year. Obviously, he played all the Florida series, all the Washington series, and up to game seven in against Philadelphia. So I think that he likes to do that. Um, that's not how I would personally do it, but – so I think that they're going to get Barlow ramped up for more of a heavy load coming up in a couple of weeks, you know, for the, as for the rest of the team, you know, I, I think that I know because Trot said it, but I think before that, there's has to be, there's going to be some line changes for this game tonight. They were rolling with Komarov and Eberly on the first line still, which the whole, why would you make the Palmieri trade if you're going to put Leo Komarov? <laughs> okay. He can't hurt you. It's not, it's Okay. God almighty. Leo Komarov is a valuable player in the sense he can kill a penalty. He hits and he gets under people's skin. But the honors have Casey Zizekas, who's the younger and better version of that guy who can score 20 goals in a season. So let's shift this whole thing up. Let's get Palmieri up there. Let's get Wallstrom in the lineup. Get, set, launch Leo Komarov and his $3 million cap hit to the moon, and let's play some hockey tonight. And um, I don't know. I, I, I am skeptical to say the
1: least, um, but it's a big week. It was a very big week. Big week for really everyone in the NHL, but especially these teams in the East Division. Big game between uh, Caps – or not Caps, the Pens and Bruins tonight. The Rangers play, so it's definitely coming down to the wire.
0: Yeah, all four – all eight teams play in the East tonight. Isles Caps, as we mentioned. The Sabres will be at the Garden. The Flyers at the Rock. And the Bruins out in Pittsburgh. So the four non-playoff teams and the four playoff teams all playing each other tonight. And then Thursday night – all four teams are playing again, Isles at the Garden, Sabres in Boston, Philly back at the Rock, and Pittsburgh, Washington. So that's another big night. So that's two huge nights that can completely change what we're talking about right now. we have right now is is the Pens in first at 67 with 49 games played, the Caps in second with 66 points, 48 games played, Isles 63 and 48, Boston 60 and 47, Rangers 56 and 49. So all of this can change by Boston losing these two games, and the, if the Rangers win at the Garden on Thursday, which they're going to win tonight, or it's Buffalo. Uh, they have
1: to. I mean, they have to win. tonight, Yeah, if they're going to win. It's Buffalo.
0: If they win at the Garden on Thursday night and Boston drops these two games, we're talking about an entirely different. Like we can come, we can record this podcast right now and we'll record a podcast on Friday, and it'll be two entirely different things. So yeah, and that I and mean, that that's we that's could honestly, crazy. Yeah,
1: we could record one tomorrow, and it would be completely different. Yep. depending upon what 100%. happens. I mean, we could have a – the Rangers could only be two points out tonight, and it wouldn't take that far of a stretch of the imagination the way the Penguins are playing to say that they'd beat the Bruins tonight, and the Rangers should be able to beat the Sabres. So, yeah, it's going to be a crazy ending.
0: And, of course, Boston has those two games in hand. Those two games are against the Islanders and the Caps. Yes. So, those are two losable games for the Bruins. That's obviously what the Rangers are going to want you went to the game on Thursday at the coliseum and you tweeted it out and i thought you were correct because i thought the same thing well the rangers lost at the garden tonight did they lose to that was the game they uh, lost to the flyers
1: they lost the flyers, lost the flyers yeah. that night
0: so they lost to philadelphia the bruins won so that put them it was 8, eight points, points it was 8, eight points, points apart the bruins have the two games in hand islanders and the caps both got a point and you tweeted out this thing is over yes it's four teams it's done this was fun See you next year, Artemi. All of a sudden, here we are four days later, and they're right back in the position they were before because Boston has a tough weekend, and the Rangers draw the Sabres. And what, what we found out is the reactions that we were having in February and March were so preemptive because the Sabres backlogged against the Penguins and the Rangers, and they played the Islanders about eight times in two and a half weeks, and then they played the Penguins all eight times like after St. Patrick's Day. So it's completely changed the standings. It's very interesting. Um, But the Rangers are taking advantage of that schedule, and they're going to try to do that again tonight.
1: Yeah, need to win tonight because especially looking at the rest of their schedule, it's Islanders, Caps, and Bruins the rest of the way. So this is your last game against a not-so-good team, so you absolutely need to win. And, yeah, we've talked about it for pretty much this last month, it seems, but those final two games for the Rangers against the Bruins, obviously the Bruins do have two more after that. So, I mean, as of now, if things stayed the exact same way going into those final two games the Rangers, they still would have a shot because I believe right now, the way things stand, they do have the tiebreaker over the Bruins. I believe they have one more regulation win as of now. So they would have the tiebreaker over the Bruins, assuming things kind of continue on the course they're going. But, yeah, and, I mean, Mika Sabanajad, what what else can you say about this guy? He did Anderson. not have a great start to the season, and I think – if it wasn't proven last year, it has absolutely been proven this year that when Mika goes, the Rangers go, and when he doesn't go, they don't go. And you could honestly, you can include Panarin in there too, because before Panarin had his absence, he was, he was playing well to start the year, but he was not playing anywhere near the level he was last year or anywhere near the level he's playing at right now. So it's Mika, Fox, and Panarin for the Rangers right now, and they're, the way those guys go, the way they're playing right now, the Rangers are going to be in it until the very last game of the season.
0: Yes, you're 100% right. Just to confirm, the Rangers do have two more regulation wins than Boston. That's the number one tiebreaker outside of percent. number one tiebreaker is percentage, points percentage. Yes. Number two, regulation wins. Rangers have 22, Boston has 20. So, hope a lot of games go to overtime.
1: <laughs> <And> yeah. <laughs> you'll
0: you'll uh, Maybe not, because then they're getting points. So, just just root for them to lose, I guess. Um, but yeah, you're 100% right. I think Adam Fox is going to end up being a Norris uh, final three at the end of this season. If he doesn't win it, I- I'm not sure he's going to win it. And I know it's a tired argument, but I think you have to be above and beyond exceptional, like blow away, from, like number one, like secretariat runaway to m- win a trophy and not make the playoffs. That's my yeah. personal
1: opinion. I agree. So
0: I think it's either going to go to Dougie Hamilton or Victor Hedman. Um, those, those are the – or Devontae's potentially, Cam McCarr out in Colorado. It's also tough for me to give it to McCarr, Tazer or because they play with the other two.
1: McCars so, missed a lot of time too. McCarr missed time. Yeah, so then
0: know. you're going to give it to Tazer Gerard. They play together. Who How you determine that whole thing? But for me, if, if they sneak into the playoffs, I 100% can see Fox winning that trophy. But um, all in all, I, I, do, I do believe that it will still be Victor Hedman or Dougie Hamilton uh, yeah. who have both been fantastic. Speaking of Dougie Hamilton – I wanted to mention this, and I didn't text you about this before. Dallas and Carolina played an absolute heater of a hockey game last night. I don't know they if you did.
1: Mind. I did catch – I caught the first two periods. I didn't they see They played ending, an but...
0: absolute heater of a second period. There were some shots on goal that, like, there was the one where the Dallas lefty took the shot and, he, like, fell and just went top shelf. I mean, it was sick. I am rooting for that to be the first-round series in the Central harder than almost anything in the NHL right now because that would be incredible.
1: Yeah, is Dallas – Dallas is technically out of the playoffs right now. I think they're uh, – or they tied for the fourth yeah, spot. Yeah, because Nashville
0: won last night. So, so they are two, two, points two points back in Nashville with two games in hand.
1: So, yeah, that's going to be close. And I don't know what injuries are looking like in terms of Sagan, Klingberg, Gradulov. I mean, they're missing a lot of guys. So, if they can – Gradulov and
0: Bishop are out for the season. Ottinger has been pretty good though, and net for them. Yeah, Jamie Benn has scored an overtime winner in each of the last two games.
1: I believe Sagan's supposed to come back pretty soon. Yes, he did. So, he did. if they can squeak into the playoffs and get an addition like that, I mean, that they did make the Cup final last year, so yeah, yeah. you cannot yes, take them lightly.
0: Yes, they did, and they are also supposed to get a yellow Kyberonte back, and Rupe Hintz has been on and off the IR, and um, he played last night as well, but they played an incredible game last night. And I think that that's probably the most interesting division. I wrote about it for the Ram last week, Carolina, Florida, Tampa, all within three points of each other right now. Then you got a big drop off, 10 point drop off to Nashville. Who's only two points ahead of Dallas. Who's five points ahead of Chicago. I think it's a fascinating division. Um, and we can get a Carolina Dallas, which if if we get seven of those games that we had last night, uh, that was naturally televised. whoo. That was that was a sick game. That was a sick game.
1: That would be fun.
0: Um, But we were talking about the Rangers. But I, they're playing Buffalo tonight. They got the yeah. Islanders on Thursday. Um, this really, as you mentioned, the last cupcake of their season. They're done with the Devils and the Sabres after this. So, big game for them. Speaking of those New Jersey Devils, as we've said a million times, there is not much to say about those New Jersey Devils. They've lost, I believe it's 11 straight. Oh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of games in a row. It's just it's just a lot of games in a row. 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. They've lost 17 of the last 18 games. It, it's, what it, it's what it comes down to. Uh, and that's pretty much since they traded. Uh, it even goes back to before, before they traded. Before that, yeah. Um, and they've lost every single game since the trade deadline and every single almost every single game since they traded Palmieri. They won the first one against Buffalo on April 8th, and then they've lost everyone since then. They're really bad. They play Philadelphia – this is Game Two of a four-game set against the Flyers. This is at the Rock, as I mentioned. They're they're really bad, but it's a rebuilding season, as we mentioned, and they're getting some of the young guys in. So yes. uh, that's all you can really ask for. I think that's why you're watching right now, if you're a Devils fan. Get these young guys in there and and see how they stack up against the Flyers, because that's a team we expected a lot more of out of this season, and, and that's a team that right now you can beat because Carter Hart's been so bad. So. I think if they go in and, and Jack Hughes plays well and Miles Wood and Will Butcher and these kind of guys, who, yeah, you've seen them for the past couple of years, I think that that's promising. Um, but it's, it's just been a tough go.
1: Yeah. I mean, they lost the way they lost last night. Oh, yeah. Last night or two nights ago, just one of the worst ways you can lose a game, giving up two goals to the same guy with the extra attacker and then losing in a shootout. It reminded me a lot of the way that Buffalo was on their big losing streak, and they blew a, I believe, three nothing lead to the Flyers in the third do to keep that going, and then won the next game. So if the Devils win tonight, do not <laughs> be surprised. <laughs> but, that is true. Yeah, they they haven't been playing well. They've given up four plus goals in nine of their last ten games. I mean, you're just not going to win giving up that many goals. They had that crazy comeback against the Penguins, which might go down wow. honestly as the game of the year. To, be, to outscore a team by six goals in the third period and still lose—I don't know if we'll ever see that again in there the NHL. Are,
0: so this was a few days back. I guess we didn't talk about it last no, week. No, we year. did not. So the final score of the game was Pittsburgh seven, New Jersey six. It was five to nothing. It was the night the Islanders played the Rangers. Yes, yeah, so it was. A, I believe right it was six three. nothing. It was six. It was up to. I six believe three. it was
1: up to six nothing. Yeah.
0: So <laughs> the the, the, the the Islanders game is going on and Brendan Burke goes well yeah if the Islanders want to keep pace with the penguins they're going to have to win this game and this is why it's like 2 to 1 or 2 nothing they're going to have to win this game because the penguins are absolutely throttling New Jersey right now it's 5 to nothing okay that's that's a fair statement to make it's 5 to nothing i checked the score and it's like 5 to 4 i was like how did that happen they they're the first team in nhl history to score 5 goals in the third period and lose the previous teams were 270 and 0. 270 and oh it only happened 270 times in NHL history that's not a lot and they lost that's it It was unbelievable I mean that that's just how you know you're bitten, and, and it yeah. sucks you know it it does suck yeah it was last it was a week ago today they scored six goals in it was they were the first team in NHL history to outscore their opponent by five goals and lose in the third period so they they put on 30 shots they scored six goals in the third period he Serengovich, hughes foot john uh they all score these goals and i listened to the call i, I happened to hear it on the radio of um the the or not the, t- the tv call excuse me um of when they scored the goal with 40 seconds left they're like it's seven to six they're gonna do it and then they.
1: they and know. one of those goals the penguins scored too is from like it was a chip in from like the neutral zone that the devil's goalie just missed so mm-hmm. i don't know if that ended up actually being the game-winning goal but that just pretty much summarizes the devil season you have this incredible comeback which falls short <laughs> because of a goal that because, was given up from center ice
0: yep it's been a rough season down in jersey but brighter days lay ahead um for the devils and those brighter days as we mentioned will be broadcast on espn primarily but the NHL left it open for a second television package to come in um, and, and swoop up the some playoff games, a few regular season games, and three Stanley Cup Finals in the next seven years. That right goes to Turner Sports, TNT, TBS. They have NBA on TNT, which is extremely popular. Uh, they have MLB on TBS, which we watched in the playoffs, of course. Uh, they have some golf stuff. And now they're going to add NHL. To that as well, they get three of the next seven Stanley Cup Finals. They get every year's Winter Classic, which I think is very interesting, and they get half the playoff games for the uh, ch- the whopping price of two hundred and twenty five million dollars a year, which brings the total up to six hundred and twenty five million dollars a year from each of the, from the total TV networks combined to the National Hockey League. Now, that sounds like a lot of money. That's because it is, but Let's put it in perspective. That is triple what NBC Sports paid for the entire package. They were paying 200 a year. ESPN, TD, TNT combined, 625. You can criticize Gary Benman all you want for a lot of different things. This is a huge, huge victory to get it onto recognizable channels where sports already are and get paid triple what you were before.
1: Exactly. This is this is massive for the NHL and even putting dollar value aside, this is going to bring so much more exposure and so much better coverage to the game. I mean, I think you would maybe agree with me, Chris, in terms of popularity, it's, you know, NBA and NFL are the top two in, in America, Mm -hmm. but in terms of, you know, social media presence, I think the NBA probably takes the cake for that one. I feel like if you're going on just like Twitter or Instagram, you're seeing NBA highlights, you're seeing stuff like that. So to have the NHL be able to join Turner, who's, as you said their coverage tnt of, of nba is it's top notch it, it's beaten by none and have the nhl be able to come in there and they're going to get the same attention and they're going to be able to bounce off of basketball because if in the relationship between you know the nba and the nhl the nba doesn't really need the exposure that the nhl is going to bring it but the nhl could absolutely use the exposure that of nba fans moving to their league And, you know, we got the schedules pretty much a up around the same. You're going to have the NBA playoffs going on on around the same time as the NHL playoffs. So I think this is going to be absolutely amazing for the league. Um, They also get – I saw they get some more exclusive rights with Bleacher Report for highlights. That's just more exposure on just everyday apps, everyday channels. So I think this is going to be outstanding for the NHL. And, yeah, now you have two dominant – channels and ESPN and Turner that are going to be broadcasting and bringing exposure to your game. I mean, there's, there's nothing better.
0: Yeah. And I think overall, this is a win. and, And I went back and listened to what Mike and I talked about when the ESPN deal came in. And one of the things that we both mentioned that we liked was this kind of inherent competition that's going to be coming in. Because if you look at it, every major sport in America has multiple channels in which their rights are. If you, you can list them off, and I'll give it to you. Like the MLB is between Turner, ESPN, and Fox. The NBA is between Turner and ESPN. The NFL is between all of them: NBC, CBS, Fox, ESPN. Even golf splits between NBC, CBS, and Turner. Mm-hmm. And you could just keep going and going and going. And the NHL was the only one that was secluded to one network. Now they're going to be branching out to two. NBC's final deal to retain this, this second half was $100 million per season, so they went down by 50% from where they were before. That was not going to get the job done, um, so 225 is what Turner pays. So they get paid more for half their deal than they were getting paid for their entire deal for this year. All in all, this is great. Um, there is obviously speculation about what's going to happen to the NBC guys and gals work there? I think that there are some who will stay and some who will go. Obviously, because there are still sports there, you know. And the <laughs> guy like Liam McHugh and cat Liam McHugh and Catherine tappan for example, will probably stay, right? Because Liam McHugh yeah. does stuff with uh, Notre Dame, and Catherine tappan does stuff for, I think, the Olympics, maybe. Yeah,
1: yeah, she, she does. She does
0: other stuff besides the NHL as well. So they'll they'll stay. But Brendan Burke, who's the Islanders guy, Kenny Albert, the Rangers radio. They both work for NBC. I would assume they'd make the move. John Forsland, who's now the Seattle play-by-play guy for next year. He'll probably end up in one of those two places. Those are kind of the top three from NBC. You look at color guys and commentators, whether it's Patrick Sharp, Eddie Olchek, Keith Jones, uh, probably not Mike Mulberry or Jeremy Ronak, <laughs> you know, may their television careers rest in peace. Um, and there'll be new blood too. There'll be some former player we're not thinking of right now that shows up and there's a superstar. And uh, it, overall, I think it's fantastic. And I was texting, and you don't know Jack Caldwell, but he was with us before uh, he transferred. And, and we were texting earlier today. And his point was, it yes, TNT is a cable network, which was kind of our issue with NBC Sports all this way, is you have to buy it, and ESPN is too. But for, so for four of the seven years – They're going to be – the Stanley Cup Finals is going to be on ABC. And if it can't get to ABC, it's just going to go to ESPN, which everybody already has anyways. There were years where the Stanley Cup Finals was on NBC Sports Network because they were running like a Chicago Fire rerun. There's not going to be any more of that, hopefully. And when the Stanley Cup Finals is on TNT, they're probably not going to bump it because there's really not that much you know new coverage on on TNT. But – or new events on TNT, you know, if, the, if it gets booked for The Bachelor on ABC, well, then there's not really much you can do about that. But overall, this is this is going to be great. Uh, I'm very excited for next season. And um, my prediction is we're going to get first night of the season, ESPN doubleheader, game one, Isles Rangers
1: at UBS Arena. That would be amazing. How's that? How's that, that would be amazing. I'm excited we- to see what the coverage looks like. You know, the NBC coverage, it maybe wasn't the best at times, you know, if you want to compare it to hockey Mm -hmm. coverage in Canada, TSN, Sportsnet. But, you know, that is all either of us have known in terms of national TV coverage. So it's certainly going to be interesting to see. Yeah, bring over guys like Patrick Sharp, Keith Jones, another one. I love Keith Jones. Uh, Dominic Moore's joined this year. He's been good. So it'll be interesting to see what they do, but definitely excited for some new blood and just, some new, some new energy. Cause I think yeah, yeah, just, at times, NBC a little. lacked it up lacked a Just little shake
0: little bit. it up a little bit. There's nothing wrong with that. And even if NBC had gotten the second deal, I think just shaking it up would be good. And, um, overall though, this is fantastic and, um, I'm excited. And of course we're going to get the debut of Seattle probably on national television that night too. So yeah. two brand new arenas, one brand new team, two brand new networks. It's going to be, and no masks, going be a good year. Gonna be a yes. good fall. We're gonna Fingers have a good. Fingers
1: crossed. Day.
0: Fingers crossed. I hope that you and I record a five on three from the media center at UBS Arena before Game One of the Stanley Cup Finals. How's
1: that sound? Oh man, if that could happen, that'd be amazing. Great. Or well, Madison Square. I'll, I'll be there. Or Madison Square Garden. I might. Peter <laughs> <laughs> just Not the Rock. Just not the Rock. Just not.
0: That's too long of a commute. Um. <laughs> But we, we shall see. And uh, already some excitement brewing for next season. Uh, and that's obviously true for the players, too, because this season has been a drag for many of them, and that includes Robin Leonard. And Robin Leonard's time on Long Island has been very documented. And I've spoken on this podcast what that means to a lot of people and, um, uh, and how impactful he was to the Islander fan base in the one year he was here. And how impactful he was to, to people who don't know what hockey is And, um, and he used talk about mental health And he went on a It was over five minutes um, Five minute rant Last week, it was a week ago today or yesterday um, Just before they played the Sharks Or just after they played the Sharks And he talked about How the, he felt that the NHL had lied to him and his teammates That was the thesis he said that the NHL told them that if 85% of their um, roster was vaccinated, that the team would have eased restrictions, no masks in the locker room. You're able to, to be together in the hotel, You're able to have guys over to your house for dinner. Those were kind of the three things that were listed uh, in a write-up about it afterwards that I, that I saw. So th- those are kind of, the three main points. And and he didn't necessarily mention that, but he talked about how the pandemic, not even for hockey players, but for everybody has affected mental health. And, and he, he used the phrase um, like a prison and and he had to walk that back a little bit and say that that's something that him and his therapist talk about that Being in mental health is like your brain kind of being in in a prison and he had to walk that back. Granted, you know, English is a second language, so I'm not going to get on too much. Um, But overall I thought they were interesting comments because he mentioned that the NHL has now retracted those statements because of competitive edge. Now, of course, Canada was a little bit behind the United States in terms of vaccinations. Certain States in uh, the union were a little behind others. I know I got mine in Connecticut before you did in New York, before some of my cousins did in New York. So it's been tough to kind of, you know, balance that. And you see now, if you watch the Yankees game last night, Aaron Boone gets thrown out of the game and he's not wearing a mask And they mentioned on the broadcast that 85% of the Yankees are vaccinated and they don't have to wear masks in the dugout anymore. So it's happening in other sports. It's not happening in the NHL because of competitive edge. And now Robin Leonard, who has been an outspoken person, and clearly this is about more than him and other people have come up to him about it, uh, speaks out against the NHL last week. Your thoughts?
1: Yeah. I mean, you mentioned obviously the discrepancies between where you can get tests, when you can get them in, in certain countries and states. And so, you know, if this was in January, February, and Robin Leonard was complaining about these things where 85% of the Golden Knights were vaccinated, but they still weren't allowing them to open up, I would be a little more sympathetic to the side of the NHL where it's like, okay, still though, other teams, other cities not getting the chance to be vaccinated, but at least in the United States now, if you're over the age of 16, which everybody on an NHL roster is, you are eligible to get a vaccine in the United States in all 50 states. So, and the NHL, by the way, has done, they've done a great job, I think, of promoting getting vaccinated. We've seen players from various teams, they've formed videos together, promoting, you know, hey, go get the vaccine, it's safe, it's good. So to see them, you know, this is almost kind of, you know, put your money where your mouth is, you're promoting people to get vaccinated, you're telling these teams, hey, if you guys get vaccinated, we're going to loosen restrictions. And now all of a sudden, you're like, well, actually, no, we're going to wait until everybody can get this. It's like, At this point, I think if you don't, if there are certain players who for whatever reason do not want to get vaccinated, then, you know, that's fine. That's their decision, but then they should still have to stay in these current protocols where if you're a player who's going to get vaccinated and you're on a team where 20 of your 22 teammates are vaccinated as well. I think, I think Robin letter makes a very good point. You should be able to experience some more freedoms, especially if the NHL has promised you these things. And, you know, we are reaching this point where things are starting to open up. I know that depends upon where you're living, but I think, yeah, in terms of mental health, Robin Leonard, obviously very outspoken, very credible source. And yeah, I think, I think, I think he makes a very good point. I think the NHL should probably reconsider keeping these current measures in place. I know there's differences between Canada and U S but at least in the U S and we won't have Canadian teams playing American teams for another two months, for another month. Yeah. Month, month, at least probably more. So I think, yeah, if your team is 85% vaccinated, you should be able to at least branch out a little bit and yeah, maybe not have to wear masks in the hotel rooms.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. And I think, you know, it's tough because I can totally see both sides, but this was right after the Canucks issue and they're saying, look, we got to be careful with this because if this happens again, we're not going to have a in like a playoff. So I get that. But Robin Leonard said that I think was interesting and probably the most poignant was he said there were guys in that room who didn't want to get vaccinated,
1: including himself, content,
0: including himself. Now he, I, I don't really know if he's outspoken about politics. I don't no, I simply have no idea. It could just be a health thing. He said, including myself, I was on the fence. He didn't say he wasn't going to get it. But he said, I was considering because he's a healthy guy, whatever. I got it for my mental health, not my physical health. That's what he said. And for the NHL to then retract the statement and say, look, screw it. You're not, you're not being, you're not going to be allowed to do this. It's ridiculous to, per, to be perfectly honest, it's completely ridiculous. So I completely understand where he's coming from. And honestly, if any guy in the NHL is going to do it, he's up there for me. And I know I have that personal bias, but he's up there for me because I I don't see a reason why he shouldn't be listened to in this situation. And really doesn't feel like he is because we've seen nothing about it for a week. Now these comments are five or six days old and there's really been nothing about it. So to me, it's just, why? So let's take let's just take the Vegas for example. So let's say they have forty guys on the roster. So forty guy, forty people total between in the bubble between the roster, the taxi squad, the coaches, and the trainers. That seems pretty reasonable. Eighty-five percent of that is thirty-four. So if thirty-four people are are vaccinated right now, there's no reason why they shouldn't be allowed to, to do this because just wa- just li- watch the Yankee game tonight. I encourage people to turn on the Yankee game tonight when they play Baltimore and look in the dugout. Nobody's wearing a mask because the MLB said if 85% of you get the vaccine, you're good.
1: Granted, it's an outdoor sport, but still. Especially if you're promised, you know, if you do get this vaccine, if a certain number get this vaccine, then you will be able to open up. Uh, Thank you for bringing up that point that Leonard made. Yeah, I mean, this is what we're talking about. The NHL is promoting people to get the vaccine. They're promoting players to get it. But then when they do get it, it's like, all right, just kidding. You know, we, we gotta wait now. It it doesn't make sense. And yeah, you mentioned the Canucks scare. I mean it it is it is hard to say that one side is wrong in this scenario because it's such a unique situation that nobody has ever experienced before. And you know, you're gonna get differing viewpoints no matter who you ask. But to see, yeah, to see those comments that Robin Letter made, it was it was disheartening because you know this is a guy who's gone through so much. And you could see that he's just genuinely frustrated at the process and genuinely annoyed at what's going on.
0: Yeah, he he is frustrated for sure. And we'll see if any of that changes as we head into the playoffs. One week to go, just under 10 games for all these teams, Isles Caps, Rangers, Sabres tonight, and Devils Flyers. Um, And then big one, Isles Rangers at the Garden Thursday night. We'll be back next week with reactions to all of that and a whole lot more Tyler Mooney, Chris Hennessy. We'll see you then.